how do you react when someone hurts or insults you? The natural response is that we retreat, we harden up. Now what happens when it becomes accumulative? We're faced with the different challenges in life, maturing and growing up and entering into a hostile world where we need to protect our interests, where we need to defend ourselves from different predators. We can really become like hard armor to protect and defend ourselves. And what happens with that beautiful soft side inside of you? This is what we will be speaking about, how to awaken and soften your heart. Hello everyone, Simon Jacobson here. We will be speaking about how to awaken and soften your heart. This program is dedicated in loving memory of our dear friend Sharon Gans. You will be forever remembered. Your teachings will live on forever and continue to inspire so many. This program is also dedicated by Judy Kirk. How do you respond when someone hurts or insults you? So we all know how we react. We're not happy. We don't just let it wash over us. We may reciprocate or we may retreat and clam up. Now what happens when this is repeated in our lives? That certain people become known to you as someone that you just want to avoid. You're definitely not going to open to them. If this happens in our childhood, unfortunately, it happens more than we would like, where parents invalidate or even insult, humiliate their children. So the children will ultimately, not initially, because initially we are resilient, but ultimately start developing, we'll call it a layer of armor, a defense mechanism to protect ourselves. And if this becomes repeated and accumulative, then we harden up even more. There comes a point even, especially, and I never like to talk about severe abuse, but there comes a point where we can e even literally disassociate. Some call it the out-of-body experience, an out-of-body experience, because it's too painful. So that beautiful, vulnerable, soft, defenseless child has now developed a hardened sheet or several sheets of armor. Now, that's perfectly fine when you are under attack, but what happens when the attack is over? Or you grow up and you no longer need all that defenses, but that, that, that will still come into play because you become naturally assumed a, 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 another layer because of needing to protect yourself. 
I remember once someone came to see me. Uh, had a very difficult life. And she was talking to me about some of the issues. I remember I was sitting right here. She was sitting there in that chair. And I just lifted up. I think I took a napkin. And I lifted it up just to wipe my mouth or something. And she suddenly recoiled. I like, and I said, why, why are you? She said, I thought you were going to slap me. I slap you? We're friends. You came to speak to me. <laughs> Do you know me as someone? And then we both realized that this is what happened to her in her life. Very often, the people around her will either slap her or in some other way hurt her. So she developed this reflex without even thinking. That's just in a very blatant and obvious fashion. But emotionally, internally, we always develop different ways we react. As I said, it's a one-time thing. We don't usually create a new mechanism. But if it becomes repeated, we learn to protect ourselves. We learn to wear the different masks and armor. And remember, armor, yes, protects you, doesn't let anyone in, but also doesn't let anyone out. So how do you think that's going to impact on relationships, on trust, on intimacy? Huge impact. And the sad and beautiful part of all of this is that there is still that beautiful, soft person inside of you. So how do we awaken and soften? How do you awaken and soften your heart in a world which doesn't always appreciate softness and gentleness and tenderness? And at the same time, not opening yourself to be vulnerable and hurt. But unfortunately, many of us, that goes undercover, that beautiful, soft, tender, gentle part of ourselves. So balancing it is not an easy thing. I mentioned Sharon, who just passed, our friend. This was one of her um, vital and, and critical points that she would teach her students, was how do you maintain that? How do you access it? So that's why appropriate to dedicate, in her honor, this conversation. So step number one is to know yourself. It's one thing if you put on a sheet of armor or other protective mechanisms, but you're quite aware that you're doing that, and you know that's not you. That's what you need to do when you go to war, whether physical war or psychological war, emotional war, or any type of war. But what happens when you forget and you have become your armor? That's problem, maybe the biggest problem, but definitely problem number one to distinguish, to know who you are and when and why you are assuming a more defensive position if necessary. So you're in, totally in control of it. You don't want your armor controlling you. You want, you, you, want it, you want to be in control of it. You know, similar to what I've discussed many times, someone asks you, who are you? And, they give, and you give them your business card. That's not who you are. That's what you do. And some people sigh and say, well, what I've been doing, I've been doing so long that it's become who I am. Who you are should define what you do, not what you do should define who you are. The captain tells the ship where to go, not the ship tells the captain where to go. And this isn't a critique. This is just an observation. So that form of clarity is vital. 
Because when you have that, as we say, awarenesses have the cure. Awareness of when you're putting on that armor, or when you're using it, is already giving you a form of control. Lack of awareness means you have become it, and that's your new identity, which can include many forms of very unpleasant behavior because you're, you're in protective mode. Of course, if you're in a hostile environment, you're, not, you're going to be quite unpleasant because you're protecting yourself. You feel you're being attacked. But what happens if you're not in a hostile environment? What happens that if you've assumed that type of posture, even though right now you're no longer there? So it's fully understandable and unjustifiable why you developed it, but you need to know where and where not. You know, people, for example, at work or in the street, okay, you're dealing with strangers, you're dealing with people you don't know. We always have a certain level of hesitation, tentativeness, or definitely checking things out before we allow people into our hearts and souls. And before we allow ourselves to enter someone else's heart and soul. But then you come home, and you know you take off that armor. You take off those defensive mechanisms. You're now with people that you love, and they love you unconditionally. However, if you don't do that, either because you're so accustomed to it, and you are always in that, in, in that um, you know, your antennae are up mode, which is what happens, people become very vigilant when they have been under attack and they're extremely sensitive to that and you don't know how to distinguish when you cross the threshold of your home, of course that's going to create problems. How will you have a complete love, a complete free abandon, comfort, when that posture still remains your, your uh, natural one? And how will it affect the people that you do love when you really never really open up. So this isn't, again, critique. This is about how to manage, how to balance it, how to rebalance and reclaim your life. That's point number one. Point number two is, what is really going on in that inner part of who you are? If we were to shed all layers and armor and defense and protective mechanisms and so on, what would you look like? This is a beautiful statement in one of the books of the Bible. Speaking about Elijah, the prophet. And he was waiting for God's presence to arrive, to emerge. And it says that first came a very strong wind. And he thought that was it, the strong wind. That is bringing and revealing God's presence. And he said, no, it was not in the wind. Then a very powerful thunder. Rash. No, not in the thunder either. Then came finally a great fire. Esh. Ruach, rash, esh. Three words in Hebrew. Great fire. And he thought that may be it. No. And then the verse continues and says, suddenly what arrived was, I'll say it in Hebrew because it's so beautiful if you know Hebrew, but I'll translate. Koil Dmama dako. A very subtle and gentle voice. And then he knew that was it. What is this telling us? We live in a world where sometimes fireworks, the sizzle is greater than the steak, so to speak. Fireworks, glamour, noise, winds, thunders, fires. We think that's where power lies. But it's telling us, no, the real power lies 
is something that we don't always appreciate. It's the gentleness, it's the softness. That soft voice is where the divine manifests. And just look at our own lives. Who are the most beautiful creatures on earth? Little children. You can't help unless you're really hardened and your armor has become so powerful that you can't even be desensitized. Look at little children. The gentleness, the vulnerability is their beauty. What we consider sometimes being exposed and should create fear and insecurity is the most beautiful thing in existence. The beautiful you. The unfortunate reality is that the world around us is not always that way, not always receptive, and can actually be exploitive, predatory, and so on. But that doesn't change the fact that true beauty lies in that place. I remember uh, when people were talking about, when 2001, the film Space Odyssey came out in the early 70s. Kubrick, I think it was, yeah. So it was a big, uh, it was like a classic, it was unique. It was a type of pioneering film. Quite abstract, still debating all its meanings. Everyone talks about the computer HAL getting out of control, machines. But the end of the story is when they're looking to discover the essence of life, what does it come down to be? A baby. A newborn baby, an infant, or a baby in in its uh, last stages of pregnancy. And when people see that, it's a jolt. Because you realize the resonance of that, that it all begins in that pure little place. You and I and every human being on earth, every creature on earth, frankly, all began in the development from the moment we were conceived in our mother's womb and slowly developed, not only gentle in spirit, but also gentle even physically. Look at a newborn baby, the skin, the way it breathes, its, its cheeks. Everything about it exudes purity. But we live in a world that's not so pure, and we don't always appreciate purity. But never ever let that compromise the reality and the truth of who you are. That's why point number one, know what is armor and what is beautiful. And no above, and then number two is that that's the real essence of who you are. Now it's easy to forget. There's so many forces in life that make us forget, so we develop all our tricks, if you wish, all our methods, all our maneuvering. Some are masters. I mean, I've met master maneuverers. They cover their tracks so well to the point that you can't ever corner them. That's how well they've developed their methods. And where does that usually come from? Because they had to do that. You become ingenious and innovative and creative when you need to protect yourself. Like one person told me, my father came home every night. Usually he was drunk and violent. The rare times that he wasn't. But how did I know? It was guesswork. He says, you know what that does to you? I've developed all kinds of schemes that when he would walk in, I would make believe I was asleep. And if my mother was there in the kitchen, I wanted to do something to protect her. So I found, she says, all day I was concocting in school and wherever I was, concocting methods and, and, and conspiracies of how to counter. And sometimes it wasn't even necessary because he was, happened to be very loving that night. But the inconsistency, I needed to always have something in my 
bag of tricks, as the way he put it. Now, it sounds funny on one end, but the truth is tragic. Because imagine if a child doesn't have to do that. So you can focus on learning to be comfortable in your own skin. Comfortable in your own skin. How many people are comfortable in their own skin? But that comes from being in touch with some of that purity. How to awaken and soften your heart is recognizing that it's there already and waiting for you, that softness. There's an expression in the Song of Songs, I am asleep, but my heart is awake. What means I am asleep? Because the outer you may be asleep, may not be conscious of what's going on within, but your heart is awake and soft. So it's not about creating, it's not about creating something new, it's about accessing that which is always there and knowing that you are not your outer self. Now they say the porcupine. Porcupine has very sharp needles. But it has the softest underbelly. That's precisely why it has needles. The softer it is, the more defense it's necessary to protect itself. The oyster. Natural pearls. How are natural pearls created? An oyster. A piece of dust enters its very soft insides, innards, I think of it like an eyeball, a piece of dust. And the oyster secretes a liquid that hardens around that piece of dust to protect its very soft skin. And when that hardens, that becomes a pearl. So what we consider pearls, treasures, precious stones, is actually just an oyster annoyed, an oyster irritated. Maybe that's a good headline. Your pearl is an irritated oyster. Irritation of one becomes the pearl of another. <clears throat> but it tells you something. It's not because the hardening. The hardening is the way to protect, but it's because of the softness. If we weren't soft, we wouldn't need to harden anything. If we were hard creatures from birth, then everything should just wash over us. Teflon. Someone hurls an insult, someone touches you, someone hurts, someone insults, someone says something humiliating. You know what? I'm completely immune. But we're not. Because we are these soft creatures. That's who we are. The curled mamadaka, the soft, gentle voice. And you know it, and I know it. I have met people that are difficult to access, but there's very rarely a person that doesn't have some spark. You say, where is it? Well, sometimes it gets completely submerged like a black hole. The light gets so sucked in by the gravitational pull of the black hole that you don't see any light, but it's still there. And I'll tell you where you see it. You can see it sometimes when there's some jolt, some shock to the system, a loss, or a beautiful experience, your birth of a child, falling in love, even though it may be difficult for some people to do that when they have all their defenses up. But there are other ways. Music. Play some music. Even though I did meet once a person who told me he's not touched by music. I was like shocked. Could you not be touched by music? It's like, he says, it doesn't do anything for me. You know, I became friendly with him. He was a classmate of mine. 
And ultimately, yes, it was very clear why. He grew up in a home that was like these cold, detached, aloof parents. It was very authoritative. And there was never room for that type of just letting go. I still would believe that every person has music in their heart and soul. But music is a good one because music does allow even some of the more hardened people to experience something. Because sometimes it's not, you don't have to be with anyone else. You're just listening to music. Sometimes reading something. And sometimes a conversation exactly like the one we're having right now. I've spoken with people who are not uncomfortable. Remember one's giving a class, not on this topic, but a related one. And I literally saw some people being uncomfortable. One person came over to me and said to me, it was an excellent class, but I was not comfortable at all. I'd like to talk to you one day about it. Obviously, you know, when a person is wounded and injured, and you touch their wound, even if after a while, they're going to pull back. Like I mentioned earlier, the example. They don't want you to touch them because it's so... But that may be the place exactly where you need to go to. Now, obviously, one has to tread carefully. God forbid, never assault somebody's psyche, because if they are indeed vulnerable and soft, you shouldn't just come in and say, you know what, let's just get rid of the armor and just be that beautiful little child you were once and get, drop all your defenses. It doesn't work that easily. I wish it was that easy. Because we've developed it. It's become second nature. It's like we developed our armor is our skin at this point. It's a necessity. It takes time to develop the trust. So what can you do? What can a person do? And all of us have, trust me, we all have our harder sides. Sometimes it's elicited easily. Sometimes it takes more effort by another person. But we all have, and sometimes we're even mistaken. How many times that someone said something to you and you right away thought they were being critical? Then you realize that's not what they meant. But sometimes you don't realize. So what can you do? So in addition to the two key awarenesses that I mentioned, one, to know yourself, to know what is your armor, what is your defense, and what is you, and two, to recognize that the core you is really a beautiful, gentle voice, soul, heart and soul, what do you do? So you need to begin a regimen, if you don't have one already, to cultivate activities that will awaken and soften your heart. In other words, expose yourself to people, to experiences. It could be things you read, things you listen to. The last thing you want to do is continue to feed your need to protect yourself. In other words, if you watch or you immerse yourself into violent uh, shows or programs or video games. So of course that, even though it could be a game, but of course that's going to reinforce that attitude of dog eats dog, survival of the fittest, that it's about surviving. If you don't take care of yourself, no one else will. You can't trust people out there. They always want something from you. And even if they give, it's because they get something in return. And on and on and on. So what's the counterforce? Expose yourself to things that are not that way. Let's begin with people. Everyone has their Rolodex, their contact list, their database, whatever you call it. When you call these people, when you interact with them, it could be a friend, it can be a a relative, it can be a a, a classmate, it could be a co-worker, it could be a stranger. 
that you got to know. Whoever it is, ask yourself, when I'm with them, what happens? Do we become cynical and sarcastic? Do we dismiss people? Or is it a warm and inviting and empowering experience? Now, if it's the former, then I'm not telling you right now which friends you should keep, which ones you should not. But I can tell you right now, introduce some other friends into your life. If you don't want to, I mean, I'm not telling anybody to just say goodbye to friends that are, that are negative, but you cannot allow that to be the only force, the only voice in your life. You call someone up and you're encouraged, you have some idea, you're really excited about it, and the person throws cold water and says, what, who do you think you are? I've been there. You know, you know it's going to fail. Is that the person you should be calling? Maybe you should be calling a person who says, great, I'm a, what can I do to help you? I really believe you can do this. And the same thing is with the energy. If you're around people that have a lot of defensive mechanisms going on, it's most likely that you will only reinforce your own defensive posture. However, when you surround yourself with people that are comfortable in their, comfortable in their own skin, who have a certain ease about them, and yes, a tenderness and a gentleness, of course it's going to have an impact. So that's one thing. Who you surround yourself with and what you surround yourself with. Just as it is with people, it's also with experiences. I remember someone, we all love music, someone trying to introduce me to heavy metal. I was very young. And for some reason, it always jolted me. And I couldn't find the, the tranquility in it. Let's put it this way. So he tells me that's precisely what it's about. It's not about tranquil. It's violent music. It's angry music. And someone shared with me that jazz began that way too, this music, the music of the streets, rap. So I understand it's an expression of someone's emotions, and sometimes those emotions can be very angry ones, resentful ones. And people identify with that. But what does it do to you? Does it calm you? Does it allow you to vent? And then you get calm? Is it the soft, gentle voice following the storm? Is the eye of the tornado? Or is it just a tornado? So I'm not here to criticize again. People can choose what music to listen to. Then there's music you listen to. You feel like you're submerged in water, in warm water. Feel nurtured. You feel encompassed. You feel hugged, embraced. So their experiences are not difficult to recognize. You just, again, have to be aware. Don't allow yourself to just fall into mindless entertainment or mindless experiences. Think of what you're involved in. Because at the end of the day, what you surround yourself with is going to impact you. And when you're trying to develop and cultivate and awaken and soften your heart, you need to be doing things and involved with people that help you do that, not that, not the opposite direction, that weaken that ability, that harden you. Then there's another thing, which sounds initially counterintuitive, but it's actually very powerful, and being recognized more and more recently, giving and taking. Are you a giver or a taker? 
And giving doesn't just mean giving charity or giving advice. Giving can also be giving gratitude, acknowledging. The fact is that in a world where we are trying to survive and protect ourselves and defend ourselves, we naturally will gravitate to being more takers because you want to protect yourself. You need to take. You can't just give because people take advantage of you. However, if you want to cultivate and awaken and soften your heart, you need to do things that soften the heart. Just like exercise. You exercise a muscle and the muscle becomes more powerful. You exercise the muscle of giving, then you become more of a giver. You become a softer, gentler person. Because you're in that mode. Again, sadly, you see people who've been hurt. I remember one person saying, listen, 18 years of my life, all I did was give. I was forced to do things my mother was supposed to do. I was mothering my little siblings, doing the work. Now it's my turn to take. When I said to her, but so what you're doing is just the other extreme. Maybe you need balance. Well, let me do 18 years of taking and then we'll get back to balance. The point, of course, is, again, not to, criti- not to criticize it. The point is, that's what, how people respond. If you have not had, if you were not allowed to have your own turf, your own independence and individuality, and it wasn't validated and reinforced, of course, as soon as you have an opportunity, you're going to grab. You're going to become a big taker. That could be possible. Or you can say, you know what? I understand that temptation, but I want to be a better person, not a harsher person. I don't want to be defined by what happened to me. So just because there are things that could have hardened you doesn't mean you have to become hardened. That's when you start taking control of your life. You're not defined by that which happened to you. You come to identify, yes, I need to protect myself in the right circumstances, but that's the last resort. That's because I have no other choice, but it's not me. And that's a very powerful concept, that even if you do need to fight, obviously you try to avoid it by all means. And I don't mean avoiding it out of weakness, You know, people are fear of confrontation. They want to be pleasers. They don't like uh, conflict. No, out of strength. If you do indeed, but it's never you. You're not a warrior. You're a gentle, soft soul. A beautiful one. Embrace that. Cultivate it. And yes, sometimes we need to weed the garden. That's part of the beauty in this world is to protect it. But don't let... The weeding, the protecting, detection dominate. It's only a means to an end to allow your angels to emerge. I always love Michelangelo's response when he was asked, how do, you, how do you sculpt those beautiful angels in the marble? And he said, I see the angel trapped in the marble, and I carved and carved and set her free. It's a very different perspective. It means the beauty is there. You don't need to purchase it. It's not a commodity. It's not out there. It's right here. What you need to do is carve. Because we can be trapped in marble. We can be trapped in concrete. We can be trapped in other substances that harden us, that don't allow us to even feel our own angel. So we need to carve and carve and set our own angel free, the beauty free. 
But because we live in a world where there can be hostile forces, yes, we need also protection. It's not a contradiction. But once you take control over it, you realize what is a defense mechanism and what is the reality of who I truly am. And you'll be surprised that once you become aware of it, others will feel it as well. There's an expression in the book of Proverbs. Like a face is reflected in the water, a heart is reflected in another heart. It's a beautiful, beautiful concept. But if your heart is not shining, obviously another heart will not respond. So if you have your armor up, usually the other person will also put their armor up, unless they're not that experienced yet. And I mean that in a negative way. You know, they say a man with money meets a man with experience. The man with the money ends, but the man with the, I'm sorry, but a man with money meets a man with experience. The man with experience ends up with the money. The man with the money ends up with the experience. But if you open your heart, the heart reflects in another. Words from the heart enter the heart. Words from the mouth or the brain or the mind go into one ear and out another. May we, able, may we be able to have a heart-to-heart conversations of this nature. And I want to say it from my heart to each one of you, whoever is listening to this. This is what makes life so valuable, so beautiful, so precious. The dignity of us being able to, yes, be sophisticated, mature adults who know how to protect ourselves, but we also have the strength of celebrating our vulnerability, of connecting on that deeper level. And that's what my life is driven by. So I'm honored to be able to communicate in that fashion. I hope I was able to reach your heart a bit. It's coming from my heart. And together, this is the mission of the Meaningful Life Center that I have honored to head. It's a beautiful, loving, and heartfelt team. Meaningfullife.com. Please check us out if you haven't heard about us before. And let's join together in this heartfelt, in this soulful, in this soft, gentle, tender journey of bringing that beauty and allowing that to dominate over all that rancor and noise and rush hours that so often don't allow that beauty to emerge. Thank you very much. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com slash donate.